有药。Hey, welcome. Good evening. This is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane, and I'm Shannon. And tonight we're talking about some of our favorite people in the Bible. Now, it doesn't mean the rest of them aren't some of our favorites too, but we picked out a few. I picked out like ten. First, I had twelve. I took two away. Shannon has I don't know how many. Yeah, I picked out. I tried to pick out ten. I got twelve. You, you've got to take two of those away. Okay, I'll okay. take a couple of them off, or I'll mention a couple of them in contest with others, which is okay. what I like so much. And I will say the reason why this is a really good thing to do is because it's just the same way. Like if you're a reader, you understand this. When you're reading a book, you end up really loving that book if you identify with the character. You know, you have to find identity with one of the characters. Or if you have a favorite TV show, I'm guessing it's because you identify with a character, and it's like you're part of the story. And and the the stories in the Bible are true. And these are I I oh I've been calling them characters, but they're people. They're characters too, but the the people in the Bible are were real people, and their stories can teach us something. Because even like. Your story, my story, Shannon's story can teach other people things as they watch us. So, not sure how this is going to happen. Shannon thinks this is going to be a part one, part two, part whatever. I think so. I don't think and there's any possible be. way for us to get through. You'll know when you read the title. Through too much, yeah. Okay. If we don't finish, we'll have a part two. And um, I'm going to let Shannon go first. Oh, Shannon, give well, us one of your favorite people in the Bible. Obviously. Um, we're not going to say we Jesus. We agreed that we were not going to use Jesus because, of course, he's our favorite person in the Bible because he's our favorite person of our spiritual life, obviously. And he's um, Jesus. That's who we have a relationship with, and that he is Jesus. So that one goes without saying. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. so I'm going to go, I'm going to start with the Old Testament. Okay, go for it. And this is a character some people may not um, know as well. This might be a little obscure for some people, but most of mine are. I have always, yeah, of course they are. Um, I've always really been fascinated with the character of Benaiah. Tell us why you like Benaiah. Give us a little. Detail you don't need about to interview Benaiah. me. I'll just do okay. it. Okay. Um, Benaiah was one of David's mighty men. He was. He was King uh, David. King David. Yeah, he was. He was one of his um, commanders of, of one of his armies. Um, Benaiah is mentioned in. Uh, let's see, 2 Samuel 23 is where he first comes in. Let me pull that up real quick. Okay. But what he, uh, he he's mentioned kind of lightly, not like some of the others. There was three, three, the, the three, um, which he's were... he's not one of the three. He's not one of the three, but he was with the three. So it's, it's interesting. I don't know why they, they do that distinction between them, but... Um, when you look at, oh, just give us a verse. Okay, when you look at at Benaiah and what he did, he, it says he was known for a few different things. He he uh, slayed a bunch of people and all this kind of stuff, and he killed a lion in a pit in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. So tell just us those thoughts. Why do you identify with them? Oh, sorry. Those thoughts. Um, you don't need to interview me. We just said that. Um, and Benaiah has always, always just been a faithful warrior. He was a faithful warrior for David. He made sure after David's death that Solomon took the throne, which is what David wanted. He was the commander of Solomon's armies later on. Mm-hmm. He, was a, he was a consummate warrior. He was one of the mighty men. He was a consummate warrior. 
I mean, a warrior that was an unstoppable warrior kind of guy, but he was also fiercely loyal to David and later to David's son. So you see yourself in him? I, I identify I him, I identify with him as, as a warrior and he wasn't the most recognizable. Mm-hmm. Uh, of David's warriors, he wasn't at the top of anybody's list. He's mentioned lightly uh, during the time when uh, the early times of David, and then mentioned again, of course, uh, when we get into the stories of Solomon. But he was just—he was just an absolutely stalwart character. He was someone who stayed very solid. Um, he sounds like you. It says he was the commander of the Third Rotational Army. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he had some, some serious ref, uh, positions that he held, but, and his name means Yahweh builds up. Mm. And they say it's a common name in the Hebrew Bible. It's, it would be oh. like a John or something, you know, it would be okay. a common name, but I just, I've always thought of, of, he's just a warrior for God and he is so consistent with no matter what else is going on. He's a consistent warrior for God. And I, I see that as something that I aspire to be. Hmm. So I guess that's why I picked Benaya first. Well, my first one, and these are not in order, is like I like so-and-so best or whatever. So tell me what your first one is. Jacobed. Jacobed. Moses's. Tell me what you think about Jacobed. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not going to interview you either. Go ahead. Moses' mother. And in Moses, or I'm sorry, in Exodus 2, um, you know, we learned that she... uh, um, hit him for three months because he was so beautiful and she didn't want him killed. And then she put him in a little uh, papyrus boat and she put it in the reeds at the edge of the Nile. And that's when, you know, Pharaoh's uh, Pharaoh's daughter came down to the Nile to bathe and they, she found the baby. And, okay, here's why I just love Jacobet. She is paid to be Moses' mom because Miriam, Jacobet's, or I mean, Moses' older sister, she's watching the baby in the little papyrus boat to see what happens. So when she sees the princess open up the boat, she comes over and says, do you want me to go and get a nursing mother from the Hebrews so she can nurse the baby for you? So she's a little sneaky. Yeah, she's manipulative. Yes, Pharaoh's daughter said, yes, go. The girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter told her, take this baby and nurse him for for me. I'll pay you. So she, so Moses's mom figured out how to get paid to be Moses's mother, and she was. <laughs> I don't and, think that was her first concern, but okay. No, but All the right. reason I the, okay, I thought that was just incredibly uh, smart. But why I latched on to Jacobet is because when I was pregnant with our first child, who um, Ryan, our oldest, he's twenty five. The whole time I was pregnant, I would pray to God about Jacobed. I'd say, God, you got Jacobed paid to be Moses' mom. Help me figure out how I can stay home and be the mom to my child. Mm. Because it didn't look like on paper that we could ever do it. And logically, there's no way we should ever have been able to do it. But I am here to tell you, I... Got out of the army three weeks later. I had our son, and I've been home ever since. That's 25-plus years that God has somehow made it possible that I stayed home as a mom and wife. And that's that's not the—I the, will say, if, the, if this is a working mom, 
listen to that. That doesn't mean that that's what everyone should do. That's just worked best for our family. So anyway, that's my first one. Yeah, God has blessed us. Mm-hmm. From the very beginning, it was not possible. Nope. I mean, if you look on paper, there was it's never been possible for us. But it, but it has always been. It always it, that's the way it's always been. Yep. Okay, who's your so. second one? All right, my second one, I went with a little more common character. Okay. And this is someone that I've always identified with, and that's Peter. Oh, yeah, Peter. Peter Everyone loves Peter. Peter is such a such a complex character, and that's what I like about him, because we know enough about Peter to know the goods and the bads and the uglies about Peter. Peter is such a such a well-written character in the Bible that we can we can know a lot about him, and... I think we all can identify with Peter in some ways. First of all, he was the first one to to identify Jesus as who he was, that he was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. He was a fisherman. Um, he was not a well-spoken man or, or well... He wasn't some overly educated guy. He was a manual laborer. The older brother probably was the strong one, did the majority of the work sort of thing, led the crew, did all that stuff. Mm-hmm. When Peter, when Jesus went out and told Peter to let down his nets, he could call, call in a second crew of guys to come and help. Peter was that kind of a, a manual laborer and a leader and that kind of person. And yet he was absolutely full of faith. Mm-hmm. But he stumbled at times too, and he fell. You know what? And I- he goes, and I mean, Jesus goes right from, this is the rock I'll build my church on, to get behind me, Satan, mm-hmm. in just a matter of a couple of verses. I will say, you know, something I love about, well, two things I love about Peter, too, is that after he denied Jesus, mm-hmm. he did come back. If you compare him to Judas, who Judas felt remorse but then just killed himself, Peter could have done the same thing. But instead, he had the humility to come back because he knew Jesus was the only way. And I love that. And I think when I look at Peter's life, I see him as a natural leader, but not necessarily someone who sought it out. Right, right. You know, we know later on, and we get into the book of Acts and things, Peter was not the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He was not the leader of any church. He was right. not the leader of anything. But in Pentecost, mm-hmm. when the Holy Spirit filled him, he was in. He was. He was the man. Yeah. He stepped forward and, and strengthened when when they were all hiding in fear, and the, and and that came down, and he was the one that stood up and said, "These people aren't drunk. Don't you mm-hmm. understand?" At, Peter as a man of so many human characteristics that it's I think it's easy for us to identify anybody to identify with him. And I just love the the moments when you see him in strength and you see him in his weakness. Mm-hmm. And you see him at his highs and you see him at his lows. You know, and I just You know what's funny? I can oh, the, the one scene especially that that just cuts me to the quick when I, when when I think about Peter's life. And it's not the one you think of. You would normally think of the one where the rooster crows. And oh, mm-hmm. That's not the time. It's the time after Jesus resurrected. Oh, the feet And he lambs. sits down with him and he says, mm-hmm. Peter, do you love me? Mm-hmm. And he says it three times. Mm-hmm. And I can just hear Peter going, oh, he asked me again. Oh, don't ask me three times. And he asks him three times. And Jesus gives him his command on what he should do with his life. And he says, feed my lambs and mm-hmm. take care of she- Be the shepherd. Be a shepherd. I want you to be a shepherd. Mm-hmm. And I guess I see myself as, as being that same kind of flawed person. And Jesus loved Peter so much mm-hmm. that he could be so honest with Peter. You know what? 
I mean, you got to have an honest friend to say those things to you. Right. And <laughs> out of all the disciples, mm-hmm. Peter's really the only one he gave a new name to because his name was Simon. And Jesus says, from this day on, you'll be known as Peter the Rock. Right. He didn't do that with any of the other ones. I mean, no, he did I, gave, he called John and James the sons of thunder, but, right. but it but wasn't Peter the same. But Peter's the only one that we call Peter now. Right, right. We, don't, we wouldn't refer to him as Simon anymore no. because of that. But yeah, and it's just um, the depth and the, and the complexity of Peter, I think, is just a good, a good example of, of human characteristics. And, you know, Peter followed along and watched them. When they arrested Jesus, but where were the rest of them? Right, he at least Peter was Peter. Peter was one hundred percent himself. He Mm -hmm. did what he wanted. Mm -hmm. He did what he thought was best. He did what he wanted, and he didn't stop and cheer people on. And he wasn't a politician in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. He was just a man. And even even uh, Peter, when he was dreaming, and he was he was sleeping, and he dreamt that you know God lowered the sheet with all the different animals on him, and and said, go ahead and eat it. And he said, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. And even God said to him, who are you to tell me what you can and can't do? Yeah. You know, even God had to had yeah. to correct him once. Oh, that other time, remember, when they're up on the Transfiguration Mountain or whatever, mm-hmm. that's not the name of the mountain. But he said to Peter, Peter says, hey, I'll build you guys some tent or tabernacles. And God said, be quiet, listen to my son. Right. And I mean, it's... <laughs> and just, Peter is, Peter's just one of those people that, I could identify with, and I'd love to sit down and just have lunch with the guy. Yeah. After a hard day's work sort of mm-hmm. thing, you know. I can imagine him working out, you know, bailing hay or something and sitting down having lunch with Peter. There's two things I want to mention about mm-hmm. Pete, too. First. Not Pete, Peter. I bet they called him Pete. No, our Pete is Pete. Yes, okay, we have a son named Pete, Peter. Pete. Okay, but Peter, um, first, John had to tell us in his gospel that he ran faster than Peter at the end when they went to the tomb. Little brother having to tell him that. No, no, John isn't his brother, but but yeah. yeah, And second, I I think this this reminds me of my son-in-law Robert. His mother-in-law lived with him. Remember, Jesus went to his house and. Yeah, but we don't live with Robert. I know, but I could just see if I if if something happened to you and everyone else. I could see my son-in-law, Robert, saying, you can live with us. Well, that's good to see you have a plan. Okay, yeah, what's yeah, your next okay. one? <laughs> okay, now I'm going <laughs> to, this is, I got two famous ones on my list. and I well, mean, as, as famous as an. Oh, one. Okay, my next person is Deborah. Mm. And I'll tell you why. I mean, of course we know Deborah as, she's she was the only female judge. She's an, and if you want to read her story, Judges 5. And she uh, and she was confident. She was a prophetess. She was fierce. She heard from God. She didn't mince words. She told the commander of the Israelite armies, "This is what you're supposed to do." And he said, "Well, I'll only do it if you come with me." And she says, "Okay, but but the prize is going to go to a woman then." And you know, she she was just ooh. But you know what I love about her? Besides all that, the name she gives herself. In Judges 5, I can't read my writing, 5, 9, maybe. Let me let me mm-hmm. just go the real... She, I'll, I'll just... I have it right here. She calls herself a mother of Israel. That's how she identifies herself, as a mother of Israel. Well, that's not 5, 9. I'm looking at it here, but... Oh, it's in 5 somewhere. It's my where, heart is with Israel's princess. Princes with the willing volunteers among the people, praise the Lord. So... Okay. But anyway... Okay, anyway... 
Um, Don't worry about it. Okay. So somewhere in Judges, look at, look up her story. When she's talking about herself, she calls herself a mother of Israel. So she saw, I think she saw the Israelite people because they came to her, I don't know, many years, 40 years or something. And she judged. She sat underneath a palm tree. It was called Deborah's Palm Tree, obviously, because she sat under it. And they would come up to her and she would judge, judge for them. And... But she still, she saw herself as a mother. Hmm. And that touches me because if anything, I mean, I'm your wife, but I'm always going to be a mom. I mean, once you're a mom, you're a mom. Like you, once you're a father, you're a father. Anyway, mm-hmm. what's your third one? I'll try to cut it short on all these. I don't want to make them so. I don't, I don't want to beat a. Dead horse? Yeah. They all are dead. Only Jesus is alive. I mean, they're all. No, dead. that's not what I'm saying. Oh. I don't even know where you came up with that. That's completely beyond me. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. The next, the next character in the Bible that I really identified with that I brought mm-hmm. up as being one of my favorites was Joshua. Oh, that's a good one. And Joshua again was a he was a leader mm-hmm. that was raised into a leadership position that he did not want. I no doubt whatsoever. I mean, he was Moses' understudy. And as they wandered through the wilderness and everything that went on out there, he saw everything that went on. He was the one that waited at the foot of the mountain when Mm -hmm. Moses went up and and came back with Moses and saw the things Moses saw and and saw the way Moses reacted and all of those things. And I'm sure if it would have been up to him, Moses would have crossed the Jordan Mm -hmm. and he would have stayed as Moses' most faithful servant. Mm -hmm. But instead he gets thrust into, into a leadership role and he becomes such a strong strong leader and it never ever talks about joshua faltering in doing what god says he mm-hmm. always did what god said mm-hmm. and my life was one of one of the ones that are the strongest in my life is joshua 1 9 where god reminds him and says have i not told you have i not commanded you to be strong and courageous i for i am with you always and told him that right before they went into battle and Joshua, when he was, when they first came up to to uh, the Jordan River, and Joshua went across, he said, "Oh, we can do this." And everybody said, "No, we can't," because and, and mm-hmm. we know the story that went on from there. And when they came back the second time, Joshua was going to take them. You, you could tell when Moses said, "You go," and Joshua was going to go. And Joshua never backed down. He never once questioned God's um, Word when God says this is what's going to happen, Joshua mm-hmm. always believed it. Yeah, he was a mighty was warrior. Faithful. He was a mighty warrior. But besides that, he was just so faithful to God, and he was humble. Mm-hmm. He was a mighty warrior, but humble. Yeah, one of the last things he said was, "You choose what you want to do, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." Mm-hmm. Right to his, his dying breath, he was that faithful mm-hmm. and that. That's something to espouse to. That's something to look up to. And I, I've always, you know, another one. I'd love to sit at a table with and just mm-hmm. talk to Joshua. Well, when we get to heaven, yeah, we'll have eternal, eternal, have eternity. That time. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and I want to go back to Deborah because I have the verse. Oh, okay. Judges five seven, and this is her her song kind of. The peasantry ceased; they ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose. Until I arose, a mother in Israel. So you could also interpret that as she was just a mom. Mm-hmm. And then God brought her up. Yeah, my translation says, Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose a mother in Israel. Yeah. So she pulled them together when they were, the villages were scattered yeah. apart. They weren't a nation. So. 
my third one. Mm-hmm. Now, now the rest of most of the rest are kind of obs- well, they are really obscure, but I, that's one of the things I love about them. Mm-hmm. This next one is Jail. She's the one who killed uh, Sisera. And what I, I'm going to just read, it's just some verses. So this is, Sisera was the one that Deborah and Barak went up to fight. And she's the woman who ended up getting the guy where, you know, Deborah said, okay, if I go with you, a woman's going to take the glory. Well, it was Jael. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to read because her, her, this is all we know of Jael, okay? Now, Sisera, this is the one they're fighting, fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazar, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my master. Turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. He turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I'm thirsty. So she opened a bottle of milk, gave him a drink, then she covered him. And he said to her, Stand in the doorway of the tent, and it shall be if anyone comes and inquires of you and says, Is there anyone here? You shall say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg, seized a hammer in her hand, and went secretly to him, and drove the peg into his temple, went through into the ground, for he was sound asleep and exhausted, so he died. Now, gentlemen, if you're listening to this, you'll understand why I will sleep a little light tonight. No, I'm not going to use that's it a, That's a little intense. Okay. That story's a little intense it about is, it she is. gives him a drink and she puts a blanket over him and then she drives a stamp, tent peg through okay, his that head. Is, okay, that is Yikes. terrible and I won't ever do that. But And I always wondered. And then that, you go live with our son-in-law. Yeah, no. <laughs> was that milk drugged? Because he would have to be super. No, he was just that, done with that, a battle and yes. running. Okay. He was tired. But I'll tell you why I like her. Because she was just waiting at her home for the right moment to serve God. Okay, okay. I'm not. I don't think. I know God is not going to call me to to kill somebody. I'm not going to do that. But. God, you know, we people who are homebodies, we are faithful to God, but sometimes life seems maybe a little routine. And then all of a sudden, God calls, and we have to do something out of the ordinary. So that even can apply for anybody. We have our ordinary lives. We do what we do every single day. We just have to be prepared. She was prepared and waiting and watching. That's what I like about her. Okay, go on. Okay. Now you're on number three. That's a... No, you're on number four. I'm on number four. Yes. That's a yeah that that one is an interesting character. I like what you said about it. It is a little troubling. It but, is, but it's different times back then. Yeah, well, hopefully. Yeah. Um, my next one, I, I pulled a woman out here, but it's actually a pair. Oh, oh! I put two together. You took one of mine, but that's okay. Because I think it's one of the greatest love stories in the Bible. Oh, well, maybe not. That's Ruth and Boaz. Oh, nope, I didn't pick I absolutely them. love the story of Ruth and Boaz. Yes. Both Ruth's unwavering faithfulness to her mother and mother-in-law. Boaz's mother-in-law and yeah. Boaz's open heart. I yes. mean, I just, this this romance that was basically out of necessity because it was the way that the law was and the way that custom and tradition was and the faithfulness that she had towards her mother-in-law to mm-hmm. take care of her mother-in-law. What, at all costs, she would take care of her mother-in-law, even though she didn't have the, the means to do it except with herself. And then Boaz for accepting her as mm-hmm. the gift that she was. Mm-hmm. As, you know, I just, And she became in the line of Jesus. Yeah. 
but I mean that that romance between the two, born out of tragedy, born out of hardship, born out of all these negativities, and I, you know, I think, and I don't know this for sure. I don't know all the backstory on Boaz, other than the fact that I don't think he was probably a young man. I think he was a very well established man, mm-hmm. uh, very comfortable in his life. He was doing. He just was was set in the way he was, but he had such a tender heart. Mm-hmm. That he saw her for what she was and what she was doing, Can I and I, I just, I just love that combination. And I think part of this is what made him so wonderful. I mean, everything mm-hmm. it says in in Matthew, the God, the genealogy of Jesus, mm-hmm. and to some, Salmon was born Boaz by Rahab. Mm-hmm. So, and some scholars dispute this. I don't know why. Just take it at face value. It says that Rahab, the harlot, was Boaz's mother. And she, I'm sure, was accepted, even if it was his grandmother, but it says mother. But she was an outsider who accepted the faith, and she also used to be a prostitute. But obviously, his dad loved his mother so much, and he saw that dedication to his mother, I think. Well, I'm not sure about that one way or another. I don't know that much of the backstory. Well, but yeah, I know, The but fact that that probably was one of the things that, you know, you can go into life and run into hardship and it can make you hard or it can make you tenderhearted. Mm-hmm. And Boaz was someone who was, who was tenderhearted. And, and that's, I think that is one of the greatest romances in the Bible. And it's a short one mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't get a lot of focus from a lot of people. But I just love the story of Ruth and Boaz. That is a good one. And if you haven't read that book, it is only four chapters. Yeah. And the book of worth, Ruth is very short. but It's it worth is, your time. It is such a beautiful, beautiful it story. Is. Well, talking, so I will go to my... Oh, no, I'm going to go to four. Mm-hmm. Jehoshabeth. Jehoshabeth. Mm-hmm. She is the princess. She saved her nephew from his eagle, evil grandmother, which was her own mother. So this evil grandmother took over and was killing all her grandsons. And this princess... What defied her mother and rescued her little nephew, and she had guts, and she, and that's found in Second Chronicles twenty one ten through twelve. That's all we know of this princess, but she put her own life on the line because this evil grandmother, her evil mother, would have killed her, and she hid the hid the little boy who ended up becoming a really good king when he's six years old or seven years old, and I just. She she only gets two verses in the entire Bible, but she saved a line of David. Mm-hmm. And she also, she risked her life, and she also saved his nurse's life. And I just, she used her position for good, even though probably at that time nobody knew it, except for the ones who knew about the little nephew, because they had to keep it quiet. So anyway, that's short. But if you want to read it again, second. Should I read it? It's only two verses. Yeah, read it. Okay. Read the verses. Okay, let me get to it. Second Chronicles 21, 10 through 12. And again, well, not again, because I didn't say this, but I'm probably pronouncing her, her name wrong. It's really long, but 21, 10 through 12. Okay. Uh, so Edom, that doesn't look right. Second. Um, oh, here it is. I'm sorry. Um, it's Second Chronicles 22, uh, 
10 through 12, okay? Now, when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, Athaliah is the evil grandmother, she rose and destroyed all the royal offspring of the house of Judah. Now, remember, these are her grandsons. But Jehoshabeth, the king's daughter, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, stole him from among the king's sons who were being put to death, placed him and his nurse in the bedroom. So Jehoshabeth, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada the priest, hid him from Athaliah so that she would not put him to death. He was hidden with them in the house of God six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. And then if you go into Second Chronicles 22 or 23, then you can read what happens to Athaliah. But that's an evil grandma. She's willing to kill all her grandsons. I, mm-hmm. Just evil. But that's why I like her, because she defied her own evil mother. All right, now you're on number five. I'm on number five. And then I'll do my five. I guess we can end with five. Okay, okay you were right. We couldn't do them all. Yes. Okay. Well, you're always right. The fifth one I took, and this, again, I guess this is just someone who I identify with and, and I see as, as being an example for men, I think, is Gideon. Mm-hmm. And this is taken out of Judges 6. So mm-hmm. in Judges 6, Gideon is working for his father. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. And that was because they were hiding it. They were hiding their wheat so that they couldn't be taken by the Midianites. And an angel comes down and sits under the tree next to him. And says, the angel came down and sat under the oak. (laughs) And he says, the Lord be with you, mighty warrior. And uh, Gideon says, "Um, uh, not not a mighty warrior. We're kind of beaten up by everybody right now. And the angel says, well, go in strength. And Gideon Gideon says... "Um, I can't do this because not only is my clan the weakest, but I'm the least in my family. He was the smallest of the smallest of the littlest of the littlest, the least recognizable. No one would have said, ooh, this guy's going to grow up to be a great warrior. Mm -hmm. This is just some farm kid that's out there threshing wheat and hiding it from everyone. And yet the the Lord answers, I will be with you. So... It's interesting because Gideon then kind of challenges God. We know the story. He challenges God and says, you know, if there's mm-hmm. if the ground is dry and the, and the fleece is wet and then that works well, maybe that was an accident. Tell you what, the ground is wet and the fleece is dry. He does all these things, but he, he follows through. And he comes from nothing, but he follows through. And he goes out and he takes all these things. He does all these things for God. And God keeps pulling it back because every time he thinks, okay, well, maybe I've got enough people behind me. God says, we'll use less of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, even with this many, we'll use a little less of that. And Gideon does this for the glory of God in the end. And Gideon is is known for that, just for being a man who God used. Mm-hmm. And that is what I love about Gideon is that he is a man that God used. Yeah. Not because the world saw him as something worthwhile, not because he saw as himself as something worthwhile. Not because of his great courage, mm-hmm. because there wasn't a whole lot of that on display. Right. None of those things made Gideon a, a useful tool for God. What made Gideon a useful tool for, tool for God was that he just simply went and did what he was told. Mm-hmm. And that's why I look at Gideon and I think, man, that is a guy that had it together. He had it figured out. Even though he was afraid, he kept pushing forward and he did this. That's good. Okay, should I do my fifth one? Mm-hmm. This will be the last one. Yep. Oh, and I guess this is a famous one. I guess I had 
three well-known in my ten. Rahab, Joshua 2. We just talked about Rahab in Matthew, again, Matthew 1. It talks that Rahab was Boaz's mom. But that's before. What I love about Rahab, there's many things. Okay, she was a prostitute in the town of Jericho, the one that they end up destroying. But she, the, the spies come to her, to her house, because I, I believe probably because there's always men coming and going from her house. So it was really easy, a good disguise to go to the harlot's house. But she, she hides them and then helps them escape. Through her, her confidence, her savvy, whatever, she saves her entire family. And the one thing, because she makes a bargain with the spies Mm -hmm. that, um, I will sit, I will help you get away, but I, you got to say you'll save my whole family when you come and destroy us. What I love about this, she said, she's talking to the, the men, and this is in Josh, Joshua 2. Joshua is a great book. Like Shannon already mentioned Joshua. The whole book is good. Now, Joshua 2, 8. I'll start in 8. Just a few verses here. Now, before they lay down, that's the spies, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And when we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. And so then she talks, makes the pact with them to save her family. But what I like she heard stories about what God did in Egypt, brought the Israelites out, and she believed in God. She must have thought there was something good in God to trust him. Mm. And and she obviously didn't, she wasn't raised in some getting Israelite education. These were stories she heard about what God did, and she chose to believe in him. And she put her faith to the test. And... Um, that's, that's what I love about her. She, she, I'm sure her family didn't believe. I mean, she did all this on her own. I mean, Mm. God obviously was, was, uh, speaking to her, but I mean, she didn't, it wasn't like her father and mother said, Rahab, quit being a harlot and believe in God. That wasn't it. She believed in God for her whole family Mm. and saved all of them. And, and that was an unlikely situation. She was a harlot in the town they were going to destroy. Why in the world could a harlot believe that they would even, you know, make a pact with her? Because she's just a harlot. And again, God uses her. Yeah. And she becomes part of the lineage of Jesus itself. Because she had faith. And I love that. Anyway, I guess we're going to have to. I guess this is part one. This is part one. Shannon, you're right. Always right. Next time, Jane will start. Ooh, I get to start next time. Yes. Maybe I'll add another one. Oh, boy. Yeah. Imagine that. I had to take a few of them off. I know. I even have honorable mentions here. Yeah, I cheated. I put Ruth and Boaz together. So. Yeah, that was cheating. All right. Cheated. <laughs> All right. Well, Normally, we hope, wins fair and square. We hope this is something that you, you uh, enjoy listening to, and I hope it's something that gets you to research a little bit more and learn a little bit more about these characters, get into your word, and, and find out more about them. Um Yes, because you know what? Remember, they are people. They lived. They were humans just like us. They had their struggles. But 
you know, there's a reason we have all those stories. It's the same reason why you get inspired by someone else's story. You just, someone in your family or a friend. These are people you can learn from. God bless. Thanks for listening. Bye.